0: Well, after what Pastor Ray said, I was going to ask if I needed to change my sermon. <laughs> I was this morning thinking about First um, Corinthians 15 and about how we are we are talking this morning. I just I just didn't want to get past Easter too quickly which is not Easter, it's the resurrection. And so we are talking about uh, something that is called the general resurrection and also not leaving behind uh, the resurrection of Christ. And so let me invite you to take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to Daniel chapter 12. great to be together obviously this season that we've just come out of is always special and uh, oh yeah I wanted to not only do I want to have the sermon continue to focus on uh, resurrection this morning as I say not moving past it too quickly but I also haven't done this yet I wanted to do it not just on Easter Sunday he is risen, he is risen indeed. very good he is risen indeed amen all right uh, hopefully you're uh at least close to Daniel chapter 12, let me pray for us. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here, our, our church family. As Pastor Ray said, we thank you for those who may be visiting with us. We do pray that they would feel most welcome. Lord, we've mentioned several things as a church family already this morning. We also pray for the Falk family. We Thank you for our brother Jay and for what he's doing, and we pray that you would Help them in this brief time of separation. Lord, we pray that you would bless our Wednesday night, uh, regular, uh, every week service. We pray, Lord, for your blessing upon the ministry where we seek to come alongside families in what we call Praise Factory. Lord, that you would save the young people, the children among us. We pray for your blessing upon the nursery ministry, even as we've mentioned their meeting and upon our director. We pray for your blessing upon care groups. Uh, Lord, which is just one expression of our desire from Scripture uh, to have true community. Now, Lord, we pause and we, we pray as, as has just been prayed. We pray for your blessing through the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's, not, it's not my words. It's your word that gives life. It's your spirit that gives life. And so we pray that you would help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Look with me, please, at uh, Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. Look at verse 2 of Daniel 12. By the way, if you would also keep your place here, let me not forget to say that. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. We're told that Martin Luther, in a moment of peril and fear, in a moment of peril and fear, Martin Luther was once found tracing with his f- finger on a table the words uh, "Vivit, Vivit," translated, "He lives." He lives, and again this morning we want to see. Really, what we want to see is the theme of resurrection in the Bible. So last week on Easter Sunday we kind of narrowed our focus, as is only appropriate. Uh, we looked for Easter 2022. We looked at First Peter uh, chapter one verses three through nine, and of course the main focus was on the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead. But, but this morning, resurrection, the theme of resurrection in the Bible. I'm excited to look at this with you, and I pray that the Lord would help us. What does the Bible teach about this theme, this word resurrection? Is resurrection in the whole Bible? We know, uh, we should know that it's in the Gospels, all four Gospels. We know that it's very clear and that it's very Uh, predominant in the New Testament, but is it in the whole Bible? And if so, what is the message of resurrection for us? Well, let me just go ahead and tell you that. The message of resurrection for us is that Jesus has been raised, and so will we. Jesus has been raised, and all will be raised. I was on... um, Al Moeller's website the other day, and I noticed that he in the fall of 2023 is leading a, a European tour uh, of England, Scotland, and if you add the extension and really make it a full tour, it's Ireland as well. So I was noticing that Moeller's leading this to England, Scotland, and if you choose Ireland, and and you know that looks great, and then you see that uh, per person it's over eighty six hundred dollars. Uh, which does not include the airfare and does not include some other things as well. So being the type of person that I am, I've submitted my formal request to the deacons (laughs) that they would allow all five members of my family to go. And if not, then at least Christy and I could go and Larry could watch our kids. (laughs) Um, But what I want to do today, and as I said, I'm I'm looking forward to opening God's Word with you. I want to take a tour with you today, and I'll I'll, I'll be your tour guide, I guess, but ultimately we'll, we'll pay attention to the scriptures. And like this European tour, we'll take three stops. It's going to be really simple. It's going to be really simple. We'll take three stops on our tour of resurrection in the Bible. And really the third one will be our focus. That will be our main focus there is number three. So uh, stop number one is Daniel chapter 12. Now look again, only thing we've done is just read verse 2. But let's uh, get a running start. Daniel 12, verse 1. This is the first stop on our tour of resurrection in the Bible. At that time shall arise Michael, Daniel 12, 1, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Who? Who? everyone whose name shall be found written in the book and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever Now, of course, the thing I want you to notice in particular is that although the word resurrection is not there, that's what verse 2 is. You see it again, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth, you know the Bible uses that language oftentimes for those who are dead, shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now, let me ask you a question. Is this passage here, Daniel 12, 1 through 4, and particularly verse 2, is this speaking directly about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Daniel 12, 2, is it? Well, no, not directly. Not directly is it speaking about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. I don't think it's irrelevant. However, However, as we've noticed before, Jesus does have this passage in mind when he says, when Jesus said, listen, do not marvel at this, For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Hear that again. Hear the first part of that again. What did Jesus say? He said, don't marvel at this. An hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. And so this is on Jesus' minds. This passage speaks to what we call the general resurrection that all will be raised from the dead. Some to everlasting life under the wrath of God. And some to everlasting life in the new heavens and the new earth. This passage, Daniel 12, is probably uh, one of the most clear resurrection passages in the Old Testament. When compared with the New Testament, the New Testament is much more clear about this theme. But that being said, this has a good bit of clarity in the Old Testament. Stop number two, and again, if I would ask you to keep your place in Daniel 12 if you would. Stop number two on our tour briefly is Revelation chapter one love for you to go there with me at the very least. You can listen carefully. Stop number two, on to Fremont. Resurrection in the Bible. Revelation chapter one, verse nine. Notice this. I, John, this is book sometimes called the Apocalypse. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. What does John say here? This is not the first time that this happens in the Bible, by the way. Verse 17, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he, for his part, laid his right hand on me, saying, fear not. And Here it is. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Praise God. He lives. Jesus is alive. Easter has passed, but Jesus is still alive. Verse 18, notice it again. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Look really quickly at verse 5. Not to mention that you could look at chapter 5 later on, but verse 5 of chapter 1. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Kind of similar to what pastor ray was asking us to to chew on and to meditate on this morning mark verse 5 that's a great verse to meditate on my dear christian he is the firstborn of the dead well you can turn back now to where i asked you to keep your place and turn back there and i told you that the the third will be our main focus but before we get to the third and main stop We've looked at Daniel 12. We've seen resurrection in Revelation chapter 1. Let me just read something to you very quickly. You can just make a mental note or whatever. Just listen. This is not one of our stops, but this is like you're in the train or you're in the car. You're going, we're going to our third stop and we're looking out the window and the tour guide gets his microphone and he says, I want you to look out, folks. And I want you to see over here on your left, and I'm just going to share this with you really quickly. This is Hosea 6. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, that he may heal us, for he has struck us down, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live before him. Before Him, Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. Oh, well, that's interesting. Like that's, If you didn't know, Hosea is in the Old Testament. And it says, after two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise us up that we may... There may be, some, there may be something to the New Testament when it says kind of like over and over again that the sufferings and the glory of Christ was predicted. There may be something to that. The reason I asked you to keep your place in Daniel is because our third stop's really close to it. You turn back to the left, back just a little bit to Ezekiel thirty seven. I just read to you the book that comes after Daniel, which is Hosea. Now, now we look at Ezekiel thirty seven. I think it would be helpful to summarize, make sure I got my right page here, to summarize wh- where have we been so far, if I'm going to be any type of decent conductor or tour guide. Let me just say where we've been, and by that not only do I mean Daniel 12 and Revelation chapter 1, those are the destinations that we've been, But, but if I could just put it in into some simple words, where have we been? We're about to look at Israel raised from the dead. We're about to see Israel raised from the dead. And what we've seen already so far, even very briefly, is we've seen that Jesus has been raised from the dead and that all people will be raised from the dead. You see, it goes together, his resurrection and ours. The resurrection of all people and Jesus. Remember, Jesus has the first fruits. So that's what we've seen so far. Jesus has been raised from the dead. All people will be raised from the dead. And now, this focus, now this focus, Israel raised from the dead. Look with me at verse 11. Now, the unit, the story, the verses that go together here is verses 1 through 14. It's called the Valley of the Dry Bones. The first thing I want to do is to show you why why are we looking at this in our resurrection tour? Why Ezekiel 37 in our resurrection tour? Well, look at verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, that is Israel, Our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. Ezekiel 37, verse 11, we are indeed cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will. What do you see it? I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, or that I am the Lord, excuse me, when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken. And I will do it, declares the Lord. Ezekiel 37, 11 through 14. So that's the first thing, very simply, that I want to point out is just to answer the question, why why this? Why this chapter? In a biblical tour of the theme of resurrection. And again, we see it right there in verses 12 and 13. Just see it again. I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. Verse 13, you shall know that I'm the Lord. How are we going to know that you're the Lord? When are we going to know that you're the Lord? Well, you shall know that I'm the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from the graves. The title this morning for the sermon could be Dim Bones, Dim Dry Bones. I don't think it was... Beethoven or Mozart, who originally wrote the score for the song that says, Dim bones, dim bones, dim dry bones. Dim bones, dim bones, dim dry bones. Dim bones, dim bones, dim dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. Boys and girls, you ever heard this song? Toe bone connected to the foot bone. Foot bone connected to the heel bone. And so on. It's, it's a book of the Bible that, if we're honest... I hope some of you are the exception. We don't know a lot about Ezekiel. We, maybe to our shame, we haven't spent a lot of time in the. If we do know something about Ezekiel, it's a safe bet that this is what we know. Which, by the way, also means the parts of Scripture that are most familiar may actually also be the parts of Scripture to where we need to give careful attention and not assume, not assume that we've got, well, oh yeah, yeah, I learned that when I was three or in fifth grade or whatever. But nevertheless, if we do know anything about Ezekiel, well, yeah, that's the valley of dry bones. Look at verse 1. Look at it with me. Ezekiel 37, verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. we we'll pause there for just a moment. This is the valley of bones. Ezekiel uh, begins here. Again, don't let familiarity breed contempt. Let's taste it again for the first time. Ezekiel says, just in the same way that he ends the passage, he ends this story in verse 14 by talking about the Spirit of the Lord and the same thing at the beginning. He speaks about the Spirit of the Lord. In, in the Spirit, it's, I, I think it's probably a vision that he has. He has this vision, and the Spirit of the Lord leads him where? Leads him to this valley of bones. But we need to add something to that. It's not just a valley of bones. He says There were what? There were many bones. Did you see that, boys and girls? There were many bones there, he says. And by the way, this is not just a kid's story. There were many bones and they were very dry. So there were a lot of very dry bones. And then get the picture. And then the Lord God says to Ezekiel, he asks him a question. And he asks him this question. He says, Ezekiel, what did he call him? Do you remember from what we read earlier? This is kind of like a tie in to Daniel. You know, Daniel 7, the one like a son of man, which can also just mean human being. Maybe it's almost like, hey, boy, son of man, can these bones live? That's his question. Can these bones live? Let me ask you a question. It may seem strange or weird. How would would Israel answer that question? God asks the question to Ezekiel, but if He had asked it to the people of Israel, if He had asked the question to the people, how would they have answered the question? Look at verse 11. I don't want to spend tons of time on this passage. I think I'm going to show you right now what I think in many ways is the key to unlock this passage. If you look at verse 11, this in many ways is the key to unlock this passage. Ezekiel thirty-seven eleven. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones, this, this picture that I'm giving you, this vision, what is it? What's it about? These bones are the whole house of Israel. And here's what they say. They say, Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. I wonder if anybody feels that way this morning. Maybe you would even use the words of Israel or you have felt that way in the past. Look at what they say at verse 11. Our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. You see the the question, how would Israel... How would the people of Israel had answered the question that God asked Ezekiel in verse 3? In verse 3, he says to them, as as the Lord has shown him in the Spirit, look over this valley. Look over this valley filled with bones, many bones, very dry bones. Can they live? Verse 11 tells us that Israel would have said, what? No. No way. Impossible. There's no way. But what does Ezekiel answer? Ezekiel? I, I think, I think when, when God asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? I think he shares fundamentally the perspective of Israel. I think he also, looking over these bones, hey, do you know why it says very dry? There's no skin on them. Decomposition has totally taken place. The sun has been baking these bones. They're, they're bleach white. It's not like they've recently died. But Ezekiel gives an interesting answer, doesn't he? He doesn't say it's impossible. He says what? He says, oh, Lord, you know. He says, oh, Lord, you know. In essence, he says, sovereign Lord, you know, because he knows. Do you see? And and we should know that it's not can God, does God have the power to do this or that? Or can God raise the dead? It's, It's more of, is it his will to do so? And so Ezekiel, I don't think Ezekiel is buoyed with optimism. I think he's like Israel. I think he's like, this is hopeless. We're doomed. But he says, he answers well. He answers well. And he says, oh, sovereign Lord, you know. Son of man, look at the text. Look at the text with me. Verse three, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, "O oh, Lord God, you know. and this is really important. It's repeated over and over. Put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. I have, uh, I like to be crazy sometimes and maybe we'll go to a zoo and I'll preach the gospel to the animals at the zoo or something like that. Or I was preaching, I think it, Camp Thunderbird many years ago to a youth retreat and I thought I was alone and I was just giving voice to some things that maybe I was going to say in a session that night and later on the students were like, hey, we heard you talking in there. I was preaching to the bunk beds, I thought it was what I was doing, but to preach, if you're just not taking for granted that, oh, I know that story and if you've, if you've just been reading along with us here and just looking at this. And if you just think, okay, what is God asking Ezekiel to do? He's asking him to preach a sermon to this great expanse. There's been death for a great army. And I'll say it again. Remember what he's, he, he He's wanting to emphasize this in verses 1 and 2. Behold, there were many bones, and behold, they were very dry. And then God says... Preach to them. It is a well-attested anatomical fact that although ears have many bones, bones do not have any ears. I don't think you got that. Uh, it's a well-attested anatomical fact that although ears have many bones, bones do not have any ears. That's uh, it's Christopher Wright. He also says this. Listen to what he says. Television pictures of the aftermath of war are the nearest we can get to the horror of what confronted Ezekiel in his vision. Well, that's kind of something that we can relate to today. Unearthed mass graves, bodies in gas chambers and concentration camps, piles of skulls and skeletons, severed limbs after street explosions, bloated corpses after earthquakes or tidal waves, all modern images which fill us with revulsion and the shudder of witnessing human death, human death on a mass scale. None of these, he says, of course, is what Ezekiel saw. That's not exactly what Ezekiel saw, but the impact of a whole vast plain covered in unburied human bones must have been equally appalling, not to mention the fact that he was a priest and not to come into contact with a human corpse. Well, if I could intentionally get ahead of myself... This must be teaching us. This must be teaching us that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is life. This must be teaching us, listen to me, that the presence of the spirit equals life. And it must be teaching us that the word of God gives life. Which, by the way, is what we see in the book of Acts, right? The word of God comes. The word of the gospel comes in the book of Acts. I'm particularly thinking of chapter 2 in Peter. And he comes and he preaches the gospel. And this this word, this supreme word, the supreme word of God and the gospel comes. And he preaches about Christ, Messiah, crucified on the cross. And then Jesus risen from the dead. And by the way, of course, we also see the, the spirit poured out upon all who believe. Look at verse 7. What was Ezekiel thinking? What did he think about this? Well, we know what he did. Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded. That's good. Humble obedience, my friends. Humble obedience. Lord, I am your servant. What, What would you have me do? So I prophesied as I was commanded. Maybe he thought it was absolutely crazy and as i prophesied now get this as i prophesied verse 7 there was a sound it's it's like an earthquake and behold a rattling and the bones came together bone to its bone and i looked and behold there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them but there was no breath in them it's like all of this activity it's like I, I read this and I almost envision once you get to almost the end of chapter eight, I envision them standing up, but they're not standing. We're about to see that in just a minute. And there's this abrupt stop at the end of verse 8, but there was no breath in them. Because this word breath is all over this passage, and it's it's telling us that the presence of the Spirit equals life. Because it's talking about literal human breath, it's talking about the wind in nature. And it's talking about the Spirit of God. And then he said to me in verse 9, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So once again, exact same thing as verse 7, if you notice that. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceeding great army. Verses 1 through 10 is the vision itself, if you can call it that. Verses 1 through 10 is the vision itself. So what's the point? So what is it about? The point is, as we've already noticed in verses 12 through 13, God said, I am going to raise you from your grave. So this type of literature in the Bible can be interesting, and you can pivot from one thing to another very quickly. And so it pivots from the valley with this army of dead, of dead people and it pivots to the cemetery. And verses 12 through 13 is the cemetery. And God said, I'm gonna raise you from your graves. And in the context, listen to me, in the context here, what's going on literally, we might say, is that they are in exile. What does that mean? You know what that means. It means they're away from their home. Why are they away from their home? Why are, we, why are they away from their land, from the promised land? from the temple, from the presence of God. They're away because they've broken covenant. They're away, they're in exile because of their sin. They're in exile because of their sin. What God is saying in verses 12 and 13 in this context, what he's saying in this context is I'm going to raise you out of your graves, a.k.a. I'm going to bring you out of exile. You feel like it's a hopeless situation. Which is also a reminder to us just as a side note, when we feel like the situation is impossible, that's, that's who God is. He raises the dead. He said, I'm going to raise you from the dead, meaning Israel. I'm going to return you to the land. That's really important in this passage. I'm going to return you to the land out of exile. Look at it again in verse 11. Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel Behold, they say our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Crossway, behold your God. God knows the despair of his people. He knows the despair of his people. Verse 11 is the whole reason verses 1 through 10 was given in the first place. And he says for the third time, time number one, preach, prophesy over the bones. Preach to the bones. Number two, prophesy to the breath. Number three, prophesy to the people of Israel. Verse 12, thus says the Lord your God, behold, I will open your graves. I will raise you from your graves. Notice, Notice the tenderness. O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord. It's... By the way, it's not for your sake. God doesn't act for our sake. He acts for his own sake. We don't deserve it. And I will put my spirit within you. And you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will do it, declares the Lord. This is our third and our final stop in our tour of resurrection. Israel raised from the dead. It's very clear there in verses 12 and verse 13. Israel raised from the dead. Let me say this. We, like Israel, we, like Israel, are dead. Their assessment in so many ways was spot on. I wonder what your assessment is of yourself. Their assessment of themselves in verse 11 was really factually correct. I wonder what our assessment is. We, like Israel, are dead. We, like Israel, are in need of resurrection from the dead. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. There is a death that is worse than physical death. There is a death that is worth, just to be clear, in Ezekiel 37, Israel is not physically dead. They're not physically dead, but they are in exile because of their sin. They're under the curse of God. There is a death that is worse than physical death. But God, Ephesians 2, 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and listen and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. There's going to be a resurrection on the last day and the bodies of all people will come out of the grave. Some will go, if I could say it this way, and some will go this way. And the promise that that's going to happen is because Jesus rose from the dead. But the scriptures also teach that people are raised to life here and now. And that's what Ephesians 2 is saying, is that if you're a Christian that you have been raised to life through Jesus Christ. And if not, we plead with you today that by the grace and the power of God, you can be raised to life here and now. Let me say it this way. God raised Israel from the dead and we are raised together with him. Does that sound strange? God raised Israel from the dead and we are raised together with him. Well, I think that would be the same thing as saying God raised Jesus from the dead and we are raised together with him. Ezekiel 37, as we close here, is like so many other passages in the Old Testament. It is not, listen, it's not the bright noonday sun of resurrection teaching that we see in the New Testament. It's only a shadow. It's only a foreshadowing. It, speaks, it gives us a shadow about the resurrection to come. It speaks to us about God raising Israel. And if God has raised Israel, Jesus, then believers, believers are raised with him. I give you this in closing. Look at verse 14. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. The word of God brings life. Where there is the presence of the spirit, that equals life. Ezekiel 36:26 Ezekiel 36:26 and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules at least you can know those two verses in Ezekiel. If all you know is the valley of dry bones, at least you can also know 36, 26, and 27. But how? How does that happen? How does thirty-six, twenty-six ever happen? Answer, the valley of dry bones. He is the God who raises the dead. Even for us today, through Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the New Testament teaching that our Lord Jesus Christ was foretold in what we call the Old Testament. Thank you for his sufferings and for his glory. Thank you for this old, old story we might think of as a children's story. Thank you for your new covenant promises to your people thank you for the indwelling spirit thank you that today we can put sin to death thank you that we do not have to be as christians defeated by sin we are slaves of christ lord would you help us to never get over the resurrection and we pray in jesus name amen